ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome in. It's your Tuesday, April 24th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Coming up this hour, I'm going to hear from Matt Geica from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. The Penguins have been waiting and waiting. They won an opponent. They finally got one, and one they're familiar with. It's the trilogy because, well, the Washington Capitals took out the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, literally just took them out last night. Game six, I watched that, and Alex Ovechkin became the Blue Jackets killer. That series, they just took them out in their own building and just put them away. It was a thing of beauty to watch that. So uh, we've got coming up Matt. He's going to talk to us about that. And then a little bit later on, David Kahn's going to join us from the West Virginia Power. Uh, we are going to recap what happened today and, of course, the power last week. Power in action this morning against Rome. It was Kids Day. It was also a corporate outing day for some of us here at Kindred Communication. So we got to catch a little action in the ballpark. Uh, i tell you what, it was kind of fun. At least when the kids were there, the Vuvuzelos were playing. Yeah, that's a little annoying, but still a lot of energy. And then uh, as the school buses rolled out and took the kids back to school, you don't get to stay completely. Got quiet, real quiet. It was a pitcher's duel in that ballpark. So we'll talk to him a little bit later about that. And, of course, we'll get your phone calls. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We might roll out the text machine here at 304-399-8255. That's 304-399-8255. They're rolling out the text machine for you as well so you can get your comments and tell us what you think. But, um, yeah, that was uh, fun last night watching some hockey. And I'm, I'm telling you, the Capitals – and the Penguins, it doesn't get old. This is the third year in a row, second round. It just does not get old. I, mean, I know the best thing for this could be to, you know, it's not going to work out the way it's set up, but for them to play each other for the right to go to the Stanley Cup final, it's not going to work out the way this thing is, uh, is bracketed. But still, I can't think this is a bad thing for the National Hockey League to have the Capitals and the Penguins. I mean, it's a nice rivalry. And that's why we're talking to Matt here in a little bit. And I'm kind of curious about the series between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh because I know that Philly fan was not showing his best behavior. So the Flyers, and we'll talk to Matt about this, the Flyer fans... These guys, of course, City of Brotherly Love right here, they don't like Sidney Crosby. And why should they? Because, well, Sidney is doing things to them. It's not pretty. Scoring goals, beating them all the time. So the Penguins just devastated the Nets with an 8-5 Game 6 victory. So what did Philly fan do? Well, they threw things at him and his teammates Sunday afternoon. I mean, like, you know, stuff. You know, beer cans. Fool. Why do you want to throw a full beer can? You're going to take your seven fifty can of beer? You paid seven fifty for that probably. I don't know what the going price for a can is. A, a, a frosty cold one is. 
the hockey game these days, I'm sure it's 750 minimum. You gonna throw that? Is 750 of that cold, delicious beverage? Is that worth throwing at Sydney and the team? Maybe throw it at your own team for not taking care of business. Not that Philly fan's an ugly fan. Not that the Philly fan is a fan that maybe needs um, a little housebreaking just a little bit. I mean, come on now. Don't, don't show yourself that way. Be a good fan base. Win with respect. Lose with, uh, with respect. That's the thing. If you lose, go out there and be a good sport about it. It's not as if this is the end of the world. And that's the one thing that I'm always going to side on is, yeah, you don't like something, and I get that, but let's not resort to throwing things. Do we need to throw things at coaches? Do we need to throw things at players? No, don't need to do that. Unless this is baseball, do not be throwing things. You can throw the ball in baseball. Other than that, do not be throwing things. You pass in basketball. You throw the football at a receiver or you toss it to a wide receiver or a running back, but not really compared to baseball. Rare instances. Other than that, don't be throwing thung. Don't be throwing stuff. Not cool at all. So... I'm getting some disagreement from the producer's booth today. It's that's uh, why I love our producer Gabriel Sellers. You are a hockey fan through and through. You don't even know it yet. You're looking. You want violence on the on the court. You want violence on the ice. You're like a mixed martial arts fan. You don't even know it. You're not even you're not even old enough to really remember back in the day when the Broad Street Bullies were ruling the ice in Philadelphia, were just beating their way to. Stanley Cups. I mean, beating teams up. Just just bullying teams. You want that. You don't even know this. You're a Philadelphia Flyers fan in that booth. I, I like Ron Hextall. I'm not going to lie to you. He was fun to watch. I did like Ron Hextall. You didn't challenge him in the net unless you really had something. I mean, you took your life into your own hands when you crossed that net area. You got into the crease, anywhere into the slot, anywhere where his stick was or he was. You, uh, you took your life in your own hands. So Matt's going to be our guest here in a few minutes. We're going to talk to him. We'll get your phone calls in as well. Talk a little power baseball later on. I want to hear what's up from you guys. So you can give us a call later on, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Or drop me a line. We're opening the text machine up today. And the text machine, all you have to do is send us a text at 304-399-8255. Matt Geica joining us from Pittsburgh Hockey Now coming up next here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It's the Tuesday edition. Welcome back. Paul Swan, your host, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. And uh, here in a few moments, we hope to be joined on the program by Matt Geica from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Penguins and the Capitals, the trilogy. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be a great series. And I'm leaning towards the pins in this one because, well, same story every year. Capitals are used to getting out of the first round, just losing to the Penguins, losing in the second round. But the storylines there, is this the year? Does the 
Does the curse get broken, if you can call it that? Do we see a Pittsburgh Penguins defeat at the hands of the Washington Capitals? Does that happen? It's a possibility. I'm still pulling, though, for my Vegas Penguins final. That's going to be happening. Just write it down right now. Vegas-Pittsburgh. That's going to be your final in the Stanley Cup. I don't know if he agrees with me, or at least I get half of it right, but uh, Vegas-Pittsburgh going to be your final. Matt Geica joining us from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Um, I like that bracket. Vegas-Pittsburgh, I know we're a long way off from that, but that could be your final, right? I know I've at least given it, given it cursory thought here, so <laughs> you're not delving into territory that's unexplored <laughs> I'm, um... at this point for me, but... Yeah, I, I think um, for right now it's premature with eight teams, well, nine teams left, Count Boston and Toronto still playing. Get back to me in a couple of weeks if both teams are through. I think then you can really get that hype machine cranked up. Okay. Uh, I have to inform you, though, I'm wearing my Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights hat that was given to me yesterday. Oh, by By, by uh, John Mercer, Marshall's tennis coach, also a Pittsburgh boy, so he also dropped yeah. off in the same uh, gift-giving exchange yesterday a Pittsburgh Penguins back-to-back Stanley Cup hat. Only reason I'm not <laughs> wearing that is because it's signed by um, number 66, so I'm, wow. not we- I'm not wearing that one. I'm putting that one somewhere nice. Well, Mr. Mercer and I, we talked about that from uh, way back when I was at the Parthenon at Marshall and covering some tennis, so yeah, I do remember that. I'm glad to hear that he's still tennis coach down there and still spreading the Pittsburgh sports gospel. But, you know, it's really funny, Paul, because of, well, number one with Marc-Andre Fleury being the, the face of the Vegas Golden Knights, but also with guys like James Neal and Derek Englund and David Perron, all former Penguins playing for the Knights. It's almost like it's been okay for people around here to have a second NHL team to cheer for, which really wasn't the case in the past. I know my parents have uh, Vegas Golden Knights paraphernalia, um, and, and I actually have relatives who live out that way, and they usually rooted for Pittsburgh, and now, of course, Vegas is their one, and Pittsburgh is their two. So we're creating some sports bigamists here, if you will. <laughs> you know, I'm a Rangers fan, but I've caught myself more times than not rooting for the Penguins when uh, I had really? to. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2009, I definitely rooted for them in that Stanley Cup final. Come on. I mean, who was taking— Well, the, the Wings had had enough at that point. Yeah. Um, that was right at the end of about a 15-year run where Detroit was seemingly in the conference final at least every year. So I understand that much. Yeah, I and I definitely was taking them over Nashville. I don't know why I don't like Nashville. I just don't. <laughs> not a country music fan. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. And I'm surrounded by it every day here. Um, well, yeah, in Huntington, that's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with it. I mean, we got, we got good country music radio here, but uh, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm not a country guy at all. So that's why uh, I rooted against uh, Nashville. And um, I'm not a Columbus guy either. And I was rooting for the Caps. I was rooting hard for the huh. Caps in that one. Yeah, I, I don't, go figure, right? I was pulling for the Blue Jackets. I like seeing some fresh blood in there. Maybe it's just a year too early yet for for Columbus, but the way they played down the stretch and the way they looked against the Penguins in a couple of late games, boy, I thought we were headed for that as the Metro Division Final. But as it turns out, hey, it's not like I'm going to complain about the Penguins caps. It's always been, well, dramatic at the very least. For Capitals fans, I was going to say it's always been good, but it hasn't been good for Capitals fans. But I think for the casual hockey fan or the, the NHL fan that's, uh, like you, Paul, not a fan of either team. 
it has been, I'm sure, enjoyable to see these teams go at it. Number one, because these games are almost always close, and it almost always goes to the bitter end. And if it's not a game seven, then it's a game six overtime, like what we saw two years ago or even way back in 2000. So it's a nice modern era rivalry that uh, continues to provide installments year after year. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, since the Rangers are out, they didn't even have a shot this year. So I don't have a a de facto team. My number one team is out. So I'm, I have to watch the Stanley Cup as a fan, just a casual fan now because these aren't my primary teams. So i got to gravitate towards somebody. Have you found yep. that a, a lot of teams or a lot of people are gravitating toward the Pittsburgh Penguins or away from them? Because Sidney Crosby gets a lot of grief, and if you're a Philadelphia Philly fan, um, $7.50 can of beers uh, are always going to be <laughs> flying at him uh, when you don't win against him. Seven fifty would be cheap these days, I think. Yeah, what's the venues, going? What's the going right here? How much the Philly fan oh. throw? Uh, they give up to throw a can at uh, Sydney. <laughs> I think a lot of them would pay a lot of money to say uh, have sit above a dunk tank or something like that in a carnival setting. So uh, yeah, I, I don't think the the charge for the the beer that was thrown on the ice really uh, took them back or put a dent in, in in their psyche going out of that building on. Sunday, not nearly as much as, as losing to the Penguins. I don't get the sense at all that people are pulling for the Penguins anymore. Maybe two years ago to see this group get back to the final and to see them access some of that potential. I sense some of that in 16 last year, though. I don't really think – I think most fans want variety. And, and um, I know we always talk about, well, are dynasties good for sports? Are they good for leagues? I don't know if they are or they aren't. Um, I know for me as a kid, when I watched the Chicago Bulls win six in the 90s, I don't think I would have been that in tune with it if the Bulls didn't run off that many titles in an eight-year span. So for me, it brought me in as a casual, but so we could separate it in that way. If, if you're a casual fan, I think dynasties and those, you know, gosh, wow, superstar-driven teams, that does get you're more interested or you're more likely to just tune in if you're standing across the dial or you have nothing to do. But if you are a diehard fan of another team, then you don't like the dynasty, right? Because it's not your team doing it. So I don't really sense that there have been that many, honest-to-goodness, hockey fans that uh, have have jumped aboard here in the last two years. So yeah, you bring up an excellent point because my first introduction to really becoming a, a fan was the New York Islanders dynasty, Mike Bossy and mm-hmm. that crew. Wayne Gretzky really comes on the scene, and that Edmonton Oilers dynasty. And you know, I just uh, I I fall in love with uh, Wayne Gretzky as a player. He's you know one of my favorites of all time. I mean, he is my favorite of all time. And so, you know, I follow him for the rest of uh, his career. And I think the dynasty aspect ha- helped. It, it was great. I mean, kids love Jordan. Why? Because you know he won almost he won every time he was there. It felt like even though he didn't. Uh, years it took a while to get there but still we i think we like dynasties we really do except if you're in those other cities well then um you like trying to take out the top dog it's sort of like the villain here you know you need a good villain to make uh, the hero worthwhile yeah that's correct too and that's a part of it i hadn't considered as well you may not like the dynasty but it gets you involved does it not if you are a a team like, well, I'll throw the, the Pittsburgh Steelers out there. Two years ago, looking like this was going to be the year they get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in several seasons, and there are the New England Patriots. And I know it was um, it was more of a fever pitch type of a, uh, of a run-up to that AFC Championship game in Foxborough because it was the Patriots, and it was the chance 
to get that playoff vengeance against the team that knocked the Steelers out in 2001 and 2004 when um, everything was apparently going their way. So even though it was well down the line and the only two remaining characters were Bill Belichick and Tom Brady compared to uh, 12 years prior um, at the time, it still carried that extra weight and that extra importance. If you're a diehard, you're going to tune in no matter what, but even among the diehards, there's that extra emotion when you can slay the Giants. And so I think in their heart of hearts, sports leagues and commissioners and people who run these things, they would like to see certain teams rise up. Um, But there is a balance between that and having enough parity and enough hope for some of these teams that you don't have entire fan bases checking out um, a month into the season. Like I think we see in baseball still with the way that the payroll disparities are. It's just... If you are a Miami Marlins fan right now and you're not spending anything, you're probably checked out, and that's not what leagues want either. So you need that balance between the top dog teams, the teams that are fun to knock off, and the idea that your team can, if everything goes right, make the playoffs. Matt Geica is our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey Now, and uh, the series is set. We're just waiting for uh, when they're going to drop the puck on this thing. Um, Have you heard yet when we're going to see some um, Penguins Capitals hockey? Well, the one thing I do know is NBA-related. The Washington Wizards play on Friday at Capital One Arena in D.C., so the series can't open on Friday. That appears to be, would have been the most convenient day, I think, to give the Caps a couple of days off and um, and also get a couple of games on the weekend, so to speak, over that three-day weekend. But because of that, that's that's not possible because of that scheduling conflict. So my initial thought was Thursday in D.C. because the Caps have home ice, but uh, we're here late on Tuesday, and last I checked, I haven't seen an official schedule release. Of course, Boston and Toronto going to the seventh game tomorrow in Boston. That's holding things up, but for me, there's no reason that the NHL couldn't put out, say, the Vegas-San Jose schedule that both those teams have been waiting for a week, right? Uh, and, and also, even just give some contingency. If, if Toronto wins, then Pittsburgh plays Washington on Thursday, or if Boston wins, then they start on Saturday. At least give us that much, because right now, my gut is leaning towards Saturday just because can you really announce something less than 48 hours beforehand and expect fans and and, uh, all the people who are uh, attached to these series to adjust? Matt Geica, our guest, Pittsburgh Hockey Now, of course, uh, you'll have all the updates there on when this thing is actually scheduled. As far as the series is concerned, you've been keeping an eye on the Washington Capitals uh, as well and following your own series between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. i got to say, they've been the butt of a lot of jokes over the years just because they haven't been able to break through, and a lot of that's because of the Penguins. But you have to be impressed with the way they came back in that Columbus series. Absolutely. And I think it's more mental than physical because if you looked at how the way or look at the way that that series played out, all those games were toss-ups. Even last night, even though it turned out to be a three-goal deficit uh, at the end for Columbus, there were moments there where it was a one-goal game. They, they tied it up, in fact, in the second period, too. So that game was up for grabs. But the first five, with, uh, what, four of them going to overtime, Columbus, in fact, probably should have won game five with how well they were playing late. So if they get that, then last night is their closeout opportunity on home ice, and maybe the end of it plays out a little bit differently. But the Capitals, after losing consecutive games on home ice in overtime, they'd have every excuse, considering their playoff history especially, to just say, it's not our year again, guys. Here we go again. And they uh, could have been excused, or at least you could have understood why 
if they were to have come out in Game 3 in Columbus and not quite had it. But um, they got it to overtime there. They won it on a nice bounce and double OT, so it kept them alive. And from that point further, uh, they, they just had a, a mental resilience to them, and we saw that last night. might have been the best example, in fact. Uh, the Jackets crawl within one on a couple of occasions, late second, early third, and the Caps come right back after that and get a goal, and they just keep charging and keep pressing. So um, it's a mature team. I'll give them that. And it's still a talented team, maybe not quite as much as years previous, but Brayden Holpe got back into the net too. That's only going to help Washington. He's much more talented than their backup who uh, got to start in the first two just because of a hot streak. So I, I don't think the Capitals are – as good as the past two years. I'm not sure where the Penguins are at. I liked a lot of their game in the first round here uh, against Philadelphia. But overall, the Capitals, they have to be feeling really good about themselves with the way they persevered through some serious adversity in round one. Matt Geica is our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. So we just wait now to find out what's going to happen between the Capitals and the Ovechkin and Sydney and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's giving you some time to kind of keep an eye on the rest of the league, I'm sure. Um, what are you liking as far as uh, the rest of the series are shaping up? Of course, we still have one to settle before we can get to round two officially. Well, right. We can start with that one because Boston, by all rights, should have advanced by now. They have controlled the puck. They've controlled the action. They've tilted the ice. They've done all the things that you have to do in these series to win them, or at least put the odds in your favor. But those Toronto Maple Leafs, they have some high-end guys. You saw Mitch Marner score the winner last night on just a broken play. They don't need many opportunities or many openings to make you pay. And the same can be said for Boston, too. That top line, Pasternak and Marshawn and Bergeron, probably the best line in the playoffs, and I don't think it's even close. So they have the uh, the firepower, too, but bounces of the puck, um, uh, bearing down and finishing when they get the opportunity. Great goaltending from Frederick Anderson and maybe so-so goaltending from Tuka Rask and the Boston net. That's kept that one going. And I picked Toronto to win just on a hunch. And uh, th- this is the way that I, I kind of saw it going. It was going to have to be a counterpunch series for Toronto. So very entertaining. And, uh, well, I suppose we'll find out how that one goes. Uh, Tampa expected them to move through, and they, they beat the Devils in five games. Um and then we already talked about the, the Blue Jackets and the Caps, just as nip and tuck of a playoff series as I've seen in recent years. I know everyone's rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights, or a lot of people are, but the Sharks are going to be a tough out. They can match Vegas with speed, which the L.A. Kings couldn't do last week. So uh, I'll go with the Sharks in that scenario, probably a long series there. And then what really could be a Stanley Cup final caliber matchup between the Winnipeg Jets and the Nashville Predators, the two top teams in the overall standings in the regular season with the way the playoffs are set up with the divisional round brackets. We see it here in the second round, but uh, we're all going to love that one. That Both teams have everything. Both teams have all that you need, and uh, both teams were impressive. Nashville pushed a little bit further uh, than, uh, than Winnipeg was. I like Winnipeg to go all the way to the final, so um, I think they do just barely squeeze by here in the in the second round, but that should be a heavyweight fight, no doubt. I'm definitely not rooting for Nashville. I'll, I can say that with <laughs> well, certainty. We've established that already. Yeah, some so, certainty uh, well, there. They had their fun last year, right? It's time for Winnipeg. It's time for the Jets to, to make a serious run for the first time ever. I would be totally in favor of the Jets getting to the final. I'm totally in favor of Vegas getting to the final. Um, I'll be okay with um, with 
the other team in California without a Stanley Cup getting to the final. I'll be okay with that. Uh, yeah. Not Nashville. I, I don't know why. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I've come to terms with that. They're like it's the new. They're obnoxious down there. I was in the building for three games last spring, so or summer, I suppose it was close enough. <laughs> and um, well, yeah, the the chants are a little over the top and obnoxious. If you're on the opposing team, I know that. I know that much. And perhaps this is the uh, the post hype version of of uh, Smashville, and people start to perhaps get a little bit annoyed with everything that goes on down there. But you know, last year was um, overall. If you're a hockey fan, you have to really enjoy seeing a, a city fall in love with a sport like that, just like what we're seeing with Las Vegas this year and a completely different take on hockey down there. So, yeah, yeah, all these all these teams establishing their own traditions, it can only help the brand, and it can only help the NHL in the end. Matt Geick is our guest. Pittsburgh Hockey now, before we let you go, um, take an opportunity, please, to uh, inform hockey fans who are still discovering what you do at Pittsburgh Hockey now and what that's all about. It's Pittsburgh, it's hockey, and it's now is what I'm getting from that. <laughs> it's not yesterday, it's not two days ago, it's not last year. Although I did write uh, a first-round synopsis from the advanced statistical perspective just yesterday. So, yeah, we do look back. We have some uh, we have some perspective here in addition to looking forward. And now we can to the second round and the Penguins and the Capitals. But the setup at Pittsburgh Hockey now is pretty basic. We have free content, which includes my colleague Dan Kingerski's post-game report cards. It includes all of our player features. It includes, well, just your basic news and views. And then we have the premium tier for 3 bucks a month. You can access the whole schmear, everything that's there, including my analytics pieces and some extra tidbits and notes from the locker room, from one-on-one interviews with players and well, just insight that you glean from being there on scene, and we're very happy to bring that to you. And uh, last series, we were able to cover all games home and road, which I think is pretty good for first ourselves. And we thank the Flyers for their hospitality, at least the Flyers PR, if not the fans. And, well, looking forward to continuing the coverage on throughout the playoffs. So hoping it's a long run so everyone can get a, a glimpse of what we're doing over there. Matt Geica, our guest, Pittsburgh Hockey Now is where you need to go. Matt, catch up with you next week. And, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's This is going to be the exciting one. This will be fun between the Ovechkin and the Crosby. <laughs> it always is. It's funny. We were saying three years ago, man, these teams never get together anymore in the playoffs, and now it's three in a row. So I think we're going to have our fill, and all good things come in threes, right? I've heard that before, so we'll, we'll go with that for this round. <laughs> the trilogy. It's the trilogy. It's like a rap album. It's, you know. It is, yeah. Or uh, a movie series. Who knows? I guess we'll, we'll figure out where the plot twists and turns end up. We'll talk to you later, Paul. Good deal. Matt Geica, our guest, DK Pittsburgh Sports is where he used to be. He's now with Pittsburgh Hockey now, and he is doing a great job there. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Matt Geica, our guest. Pittsburgh Hockey now is where you want to check him out. When we come back, we're going to talk a little West Virginia power. We'll have David Kahn as our guest when we continue here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Edition here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. want to welcome to the program now the voice of the West Virginia Power. He's done for the day. Well, almost done for the day. He is David Kahn, and uh, you got a uh, you got an action-packed pitching duel today at Appalachian Power Park. 
Lots of kids, lots of vuvuzelas. Um, it was a unique atmosphere to be a part of earlier today. Yeah, it sure was. Tough way for it to end, of course. Uh, that one pitch from Adam Waller getting drilled over the right field fence to give Rome a 2-0 win. But besides that, I mean, what a great day. 4,000 people in attendance plus. Uh, you know, it's, it's always great, and I was talking about this earlier with some, some people around the office, but it's always great to have kids out of the ballpark because you never know when it's these kids' first time at a ball game ever. And, and just to have them actually out of the ballpark and experiencing the game and enjoying themselves and having a great time, there's really nothing more we can ask for from a Grand Slam school day than that, regardless of the result. That had to be one of the louder games I've been to. Uh, you've been to more power games than I have uh, over the last couple of years, um, and that was maybe my second game in a while. So, uh, but I don't, yeah. re- I don't remember the the at- loudness. The kids really put a lot into it. They then again, you give them the the horns, the vuvuzelas. Um, they're going to give you the required sound, and of course, uh, it didn't hurt to have the uh, SpongeBob SquarePants chant on the board as well. No, I mean. Paul, what's that saying? Uh, you you grab the bull by the horns. Uh, these kids grabbed the vuvuzelas by the horns and, and literally blew them, uh, blew out the speakers at our ballpark. Um, but no, it was uh, it was great. I mean, look, it's it's something you expect and it's something you you know is going to come. Uh, but it, it's honestly for our players in front of their home fans to have that much of a uh, atmosphere that they get to experience and enjoy. And really, you know, they know that everyone's behind them and they're cheering on every pitch. I think they really enjoy it. So uh, it's, uh, of course, it's not the best uh, environment for every fan to hear the Vuvuzelas, but I think overall it, the kids had fun and that's what matters today. It was Kids Day. Come on. We we knew what it was. <laughs> yeah, of course. We, we knew what it was, and, and I, I kept my crowd mic real low. David Connor, guest from the West Virginia Power. So let's talk about the game itself. Um we go back to that pitching duel. Uh, really strong performances, both sides. Um, hitting was uh, few and far between, so you know it comes yeah. down to a lucky shot there, and, and and that's your winner. But overall, if you're the West Virginia Power right now, you, you might not feel as good about your hitting, but you got to feel really strong about what you got from the pitching side of this game today. I, I think they do, and you're absolutely right, Paul. The, the pitching, first of all, for West Virginia has been absolutely phenomenal of late. Uh, the last five, the last turn through the rotation, five of the six last starts have been quality starts, so not counting today. Uh, but, I mean, and even the two starts that weren't, yesterday, Schleybaugh, five innings, one hit. That's it. Today, Robles, five innings, two hits, seven strikeouts. That's it. No runs. So our starting pitching has been absolutely phenomenal, and it's only going to get better because we've got Travis McGregor and Evan Pachota going tomorrow, two of our top pitchers in our rotation. And Pachota's really not even in our rotation. He's just been called upon to, to do spot starts so much because we've had, you know, off days, brain outs, injuries, what have you. So he's been really summoned upon a lot, but he's done a great job. So the pitching has really, really been a nice catalyst. And when our offense does wake up, it's very nice to see. Today, Robles is very good. I mean, Adam Aller was stellar minus the one pitch. Uh, the, the one pitch, obviously, of course, unfortunately defined the game for him. But, I mean, a season-high four innings, he only gave up the one hit on the home run. I mean, that was it. That was he, he retired eight of the first nine batters he faced entering the ninth, set down the first two many faced, then walked somebody on what some people are saying was a questionable ball four. But, I mean, what have you. It's, it's umpire's call, and you have to go with it. And, uh, and then he gave up the home run. 
So, I mean, he looked great. He knows that it was just one pitch, and he's got to shake it off and move on to the next one. And, you know, certainly this team is not going to let one game define their season. David Connor, guest from the West Virginia Power. So, weather aside here, it's just been tough. It feels like you're trying to get some rhythm with this team here, and I mean, you can't use the weather as an excuse, but you kind of can in this situation because it just hasn't been uh, a, a a good start for baseball, period, and the Power are feeling that as well. Of course, every other team has got to deal with that, but it would be nice if you felt like you could just get a nice solid run here without weather being an issue. Yeah, it would be, but, I mean, you said it. Every team has experienced it. I mean, the entire Southern Division – was rained out yesterday in the South Atlantic League and, and uh, most of the Northern Division, only two games were played. So you, I mean, yeah, the weather's not great, but you know that's going to happen. Baseball, rainouts happen in baseball, and, and West Virginia's been prepared for it. So they're, they're not blaming the weather. Uh, this team knows the, the, the talent level that, that they can produce, and, and they've won seven of their last ten games. So at the end of the day, like, yeah, would you, would you, you'd rather not lose two in a row, but you won seven of your last ten. So if you look at it on a, on a macro scale, you, you mean ten and eight is not a bad start for a team that's this young, this raw, and needs a lot of development. I know if you ask our manager, Wyatt Tarragas, he's very happy with the production he's seeing from a lot of people on this team, and he thinks, and I, I know that he's still very positive, so is the coaching staff, so are the players for that matter. They all believe that they can continue to succeed and continue to do well. And this team believes they can win a championship. I was going to ask you, it feels good at least this point to know you're not in a real hole here. You you are competitive. You've got a shot at this. You're not in a point where you start late and then if you could have only got a few more games early on, you might have been in a better spot where you were last year compared to here. So, uh that's got to be the good news here. At least this team is in a spot where they're competitive right now. Yes, it, it, absolutely. You're absolutely right. The, this team is in a spot where it's competitive. The team knows that it can win. This knows It knows that it can win a lot. And I think there's a lot of credit to Wyatt and our staff is that they've instilled in the fact that this team knows how good it can be and how good the potential is for these guys to really play at the highest level. So the thing you really have to watch for is as these players continue to develop, and you're seeing it already today. I mean, I know I was up there talking with you in the fourth inning when O'Neill Cruz turned one of the, the slickest double plays he's ever turned since coming to West Virginia. Um, he obviously, uh, you don't see very many 6-6 shortstops in, in minor league baseball. Uh, Cruz is one of them, and he's learning. Um, and it's going to take some time for him to fully develop. And, he, you know, he leads the team with nine errors. There's, there's no hiding that. But, uh, I mean, there are signs of him improving. And, and that's all you can ask for, really, at this point in the season. It, it is April. I mean, we have, we have a month and a half more of the first half, and then we've got a whole second half. And, and I don't really expect a lot of these guys to go anywhere. Uh, not, not to say that, they're, that they can't, and if some of them go on a tear, like Cal Mitchell has been doing to start the year, and, and guys like Stafford and, and stuff like that, not to say that they won't get a bump up to Brayton or that they don't deserve it. But I think that, really, for the Pirates organizational development, they want to keep these guys together in Charleston and let them play a whole season together, experience full season ball, and, and really they, I think they think that this team is very capable of making a deep run. Doubleheader tomorrow, you got to do the makeup game. Uh, excited about that. Uh, I'm going to have uh, two games for the price of one tomorrow at the ballpark. 
Yeah, two games for the price of one. Nothing better than that, right? Extra baseball is always enjoyable. Uh, I mean, you, you, you gotta you gotta make up the game at some point. So uh, we're no, we're excited about that. Five oh five first pitch for us. Uh, gates are opening at four thirty. Um, pets in the park night too. So bring your dog, cat, snake, bird, whatever you want. Uh, Three dollars for a pet pass. Um, and then if you want to just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to come to every pet in the park night. Uh, go ahead and pay, pay $60. You'll get six box seat vouchers and uh, six pet passes. So you won't have to pay any more for the rest of the year for all the pets in the park nights. So we're very excited to, to start off our pets in the park nights uh, tomorrow. Uh, like I said, we got McGregor and Pachota on the mound, two of our uh, more consistent, phenomenal pitchers. And really, I mean, our whole staff's been consistent of late. So it really doesn't matter who we throw out there. We know we're going to get a good start. And our bullpen, with the exception really of, of two days ago, has been really, really, really strong. Aller, I kind of throw out the one pitch, and he's, you know, he he was superb. So one pitch doesn't doesn't make an outing. Unfortunately, in this case, it kind of did, but in the long scheme of things, it doesn't. Um, but our bullpen's been really, really good. Our offense will find its stride. Uh, Rome didn't hit that much today either. They had three hits, and we had four. So we ended up at hitting them and losing because one of their hits was a home run. So. That happens in baseball, and I'm sure our offense will find its groove. We'll we'll take care of business tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. David Connor, guest. He's uh, from the West Virginia Power. Before I let you go, give me a, a man-on-the-scene report. What's the weather like right this moment? Will Marshall and West Virginia play? Yes, Marshall and West Virginia, West Virginia are going to play tonight. Uh, we had the tarp on. The tarp is now off the field. Um, they are warming up and getting ready to play. It should be all steam ahead for, for Marshall WVU tonight. Good crowd so far? or uh, What do you see? You know, I'm, I've, I, when I was down there about an hour ago, there were people starting to trickle in, but I have not been down there in a little bit, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but, I, I mean, we're expecting, a, we're expecting a sizable crowd. We've already had people walking up and buying tickets, and, and we're expecting a, a very nice crowd tonight, just like we had this afternoon. So we're uh, – should be a, a very packed day here at Appalachian Power Park. I say just bust those kids back in with the Vuvuzelas and let them go. <laughs> if you want to pay for them, Paul, go ahead. <laughs> you know where I work. You know that's not feasible. Yeah, yeah. You know where I work too. So. <laughs> okay, so between both of us, that's not feasible. We okay. We'll, well pa- we might, I mean, between both of us. I don't know. We might have to discuss that off the air. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we. Um, no, yeah, if you want to get the buses back down here with these kids, I'm sure Marshall would probably uh, – well, some of them might welcome it. Some of them might not be a big fan of the Vuvuzelas. I mean, that, it's weird that how that fashion is – or that fad has stayed alive because, I mean, it really came alive in 2010, right, with the World Cup. And and then I think it was the 2010 World Cup. Maybe it was the 14 one. And, uh, and now, you know, I thought it had died away, but – these last two Grand Slam school days, all these kids want to do is buy a Vuvuzela and use it as much as possible. I can't wait to be that parent at home tonight. Uh, you know, if you're that <laughs> kid's kid just playing with the Vuvuzela. Yeah. Way to go, <laughs> West Virginia Power. Way to go. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. David are getting K- blamed for everything. Yeah. David Kahn's our guest, West Virginia Power. We'll catch up with you next week. Uh, good seeing you today and uh, fun game. Uh, hate the loss, but still a fun game. And, uh, We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Let's uh, let's hope we get that doubleheader tomorrow. All right, Paul. Sounds good. Well, let's go get it. David Kahn, West Virginia Power. We're going to take our last break, come back. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, in about 20, 25 minutes, we'll have Marshall Baseball right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. That's going to about do it for this edition. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Stay tuned. In about 20 minutes, we'll hear from Steve Cotton as he'll get you set for tonight's baseball action between Marshall and West Virginia, and we're going to hear that coming up here. 6.20 is going to be our airtime. 6.30 is scheduled first pitch, and you can catch all that action all season long. Heard home games in Charleston right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. Now, I want to remind you, if you um, are trying to listen to the game tonight, you can do it by either the stream. We'll do that at WRVC.com. You can also go to the TuneIn app, and you can listen to the radio station there. Just search for WRVC. Or, of course, you can get our streaming app again at WRVC.com. And, of course, we'll have it for you right here on the radio. WRVC Huntington. W227BS Huntington. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.